Ink and Artifacts Podcast, Episode 1, with guest Justin Knight. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Ink and Artifacts Podcast, the podcast about the art, practice, and application of storytelling throughout history. I'm your host, EJ Spurl, and you can find all my social media contacts as well as episodes past, present, and future on ejspurl.com. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Ink and Artifacts podcast. Uh, my name is EJ Spurl, and I am your host for the evening, and I am joined today by uh, my friend and uh, Twitter buddy and fellow writer, Justin Knight. Uh, you want to say a little hello there, Justin? How's it going? Yeah, as you can tell, he's a Brit. I am. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Justin uh, is a science fiction writer. Um, that's that's accurate to say. You don't really delve into fantasy all that much from what I've noticed. No. No, no. Okay, so he's a f- science fiction writer, and yeah, he came out with a book called Nomads last year, uh, which I did get a chance to uh, read. Uh, co- I, I'm pretty sure I read most of it, actually. <laughs> I can't quite <laughs> tell if I, I finished it, but, you know, I, I, I did read most of it. And he's got a, a, another book uh, coming out pretty soon called uh, Penance, which uh, I understand you've named a character after me. That's right. That's right. So when uh, tell us a little bit about that. When's that coming out? What's uh, what's it about? Penance, well, just to say when it's coming out, I'm hoping to have it out beginning of July um, because I'm still waiting on the editor to get back to me with his uh, edits, uh, which I need to put into it. Um, but what's it about? Well, I had the idea um, a long time ago of wondering what it would be like sort of putting the normal person in space uh, for a, say to live or something like that, you know, because Alien was essentially truckers in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, well, because I work in warehousing, I thought, what would it be like to put a warehouse in space? And the idea sort of flowed from that. And the story is about the first way station that's set up out in space for ships leaving uh, the galaxy to go out and explore, to refuel, and then head off into the unknown. Um, and these people go out to live there and to run the station. But uh, what they don't realize is that alien life is much closer than they thought, and they come under attack and are forced to defend themselves. Cool, cool, all right. And uh, I, I understand that it has a lot to deal with themes of um, redemption. Is that uh, is that accurate? There is a theme of redemption in there, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. See, that's, that's what I like to hear is that character drama. I, I, when it comes to looking back on nomads, I had sort of a big a big regret that I didn't think in my mind I paid enough attention to building the characters. I wish I could have done a better job with it. Mm-hmm. So with Penance, I said to myself, I want to get that right with this one. And I did as a result. And one of my other beta readers has said to me that she has noticed a very big difference between the two books. And that's usually how it goes when, uh, like, my I remember uh, when I got my first book out and I started writing my second, I had improved, like, vastly. Like, it's it was actually mm. surprising to me. I was like, wow, like, you, you compare these two works and it's like night and day. Yeah, I mean, I look at Nomads and I like the story. Mm-hmm. I like how it ended, but it's just part of me that wished I could have done better with it somehow. 
And yeah, you're always going to have that, I think. There's, uh, I forget who said it, but a wise man once said um, that uh, you're never really finished making art. You just stop working on it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's true. Like you could you could be in revisions for years and years and years and it would still never be 100% perfect. But you have mm. other ideas that you want to, you know, ro like roll on and that's and that's so that's an important thing too, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh Justin is uh pretty active on Twitter, which is actually how I know him. Um we started talking I guess about a year and a half ago now. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Uh, it was about a year and a half ago we started talking, and uh, we mm. got to know each other pretty well. He also runs a blog uh, at uh, grandmasfloor.blogspot.com. That's right. Yeah, I think I'm surprised I said that correctly. I thought I was going to screw that <laughs> up. Um, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Stoic Writer. But another thing that uh, Justin is really knowledgeable about is uh, the world of comics. Right. Oh yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Here we so, go. Here we go. Yes. So we're gonna we're actually gonna talk a little bit about uh, uh, about comics today, and uh, you know, surrounding culture and you know controversies and and whatnot, and we'll you know compare sales numbers from Marvel and DC, and uh, we'll just see where the conversation takes us. Mm. Yeah. So um, we actually have uh, there's been a lot of criticism levied at Marvel over the past well I, I guess about two or three years now right yeah uh, i think it it really came into force i think when 2016 kicked off because there was that now infamous article in bleeding cool news a site that i really don't like but mm -hmm. has covered this quite well um where the comic book retailers were starting to complain about the um the falling sales numbers of the big two i.e marvel and dc mm -hmm. And the comment that always stuck in my head the most was um, the comment they'd seen on a, I think it was a comic book retailer's forum. Uh, this one guy has said, it's the biggest drop-off in the big two's sales that he's seen in his store's 38-year history. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was, yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing that. I, I thought, wow, this is actually really bad. And I had not long gotten back into comics at the time because I stopped it for about 10 years or more because I'd had a family and obviously something had to go to pay for various costs and um diapers are expensive it. oh yeah <laughs> diapers are expensive i uh, i've been there myself i know exactly what yeah. that's like um yeah. so i was i was getting back into it and i had enjoyed image comics a lot at the time so mm -hmm. i was gradually buying their titles and um then i sort of became aware of the problem with marvel and was like what the hell is this you know it's it, i the view I stand by now is the one I had back then, which was this isn't the same company that I grew up with anymore. It's changed and it's not changed for the best. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like my understanding is, is that they, uh, they, they started throwing in um, diverse characters solely for the sake of diversity. And they didn't really it was it, I, I think is how they delivered it. it was far too preachy for a lot of readers. It was a combination of that and some just poor writing in general mm -hmm. the one example that i am often uh, cited and indeed have said myself is the fourth issue i think it was of angela queen of hell ah yes um, Unsol yeah yeah unsolicited opinions that's it yeah, yeah. where the, the writer herself intentionally redacted the dialogue and put in uh these mini statements as to what the 
character, this Norse god was allegedly saying. This Norse god from and, an alternate reality, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Who apparently has unsolicited opinions on Ed, Israel, uh, speaks red pill, MRA filth. <laughs> uh, I can't remember what the other ones were, but it, it was just essentially little... that was... That was just the big sign, if anything, that something was wrong with Marvel. That is the one thing that people say was the big sign that obviously trouble was underneath the floorboards of that company. Well, yeah, it was a little over the top, I think. Like, I remember that, too. And then there was uh, there was another uh, comic that I caught just last year. I think it was... I might be getting this wrong. Is it Nightingale? Nightingale. No, it was the one... <sighs> On the cover of one of the issues, she had a T-shirt. Mockingbird. Said, Mockingbird. That's the one. See, that's you know, that's, that, that's that's what I'm getting confused. And I remember just flipping through an issue, and she's fighting some zombie pirates, <laughs> and and then you know the leader of the pirates say, "Oh, you know, go get her, kill her, or something." I forget what he said exactly, but then all the pirates rebelled and they're like, "That's misogynist," you know. And I'm like, "Wait a second, these are zombie yeah. pirates." <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, the thing with Mockingbird that made it more famous was the controversy surrounding Chelsea Kane leaving Twitter because allegedly getting, a, a, and I'm quoting, a slew of misogynistic tweets. Mm-hmm. But yet when people looked into it, no one could find these tweets. And it's like, I, I hate this term, but essentially it was fake news. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the even well, the, the articles that I saw quoted none of these tweets but had tweets of support of Kane but it's like I, I don't buy this and I still don't and I got into an argument with a guy I think he was writing for the Washington Post where I said to him where are these tweets and he wouldn't comply and eventually he blocked me so oh, I thought wow. yeah whatever yeah but that kind of said it all to me so I took one last look at the article before I forgot about it and the comment section they closed down pretty quickly and there were other people saying, well, where are these tweets? The writer blocked me because I asked him about it. See, that's that's actually very interesting to me because um, it seems that, like, even if she had received, like, one or two, which is entirely possible, like, I'm not doubting that, um, that, no, no. Th- that there would be a much uh, more uh, tempered uh, reaction to that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people would see that, oh, okay, well, she did receive a few of them. But at, at the same time, like, if you look at, uh, for instance, uh, Jordan Peterson at the University of Toronto, yes. right? Um, he was receiving tons of criticism, but instead of focusing on the negative criticism, he chose to focus on the positive feedback that yeah. he was getting for, you know, saying saying what he did. Now, wherever you stand on Jordan Peterson, you got to admit that, you know, that's a much better method of, uh, you know, absorbing this stuff, right? Take the criticism, take the legitimate criticism at least, right? Mm-hmm. Ignore the, uh, the 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 rude or uh, illegitimate or mean spirited uh, uh, criticism, or even just attacks, whatever, right? Yeah, and you know, take it all in a stride because, like, as, as a writer, and you understand this as well as I do, is as a as a creator of a, of stories in general, as a storyteller, I should say, um, we need to have thick skins. And we need yeah, to be able, and we need to be able to accept criticism, whether it's mean spirited or not. You know, and yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a reality. You're not going to get better unless you, unless you know you know where you're going wrong. There's two things I can say about that. First off, to go back to the whole Marvel thing, first of all. Mm-hmm. So, with regards to Brad Glasgow, he did a number of searches to find these tweets with his article on it because he wondered where they all were, mm-hmm. and he found one. One tweet. Now, 
by no stretch of the English language does that count as a slew of tweets. Yeah. And Kane herself eventually addressed it on her blog, saying over the course of mocking, she had blocked seven people. And she even wondered what the fuss was all about. Oh, wow. Now, yeah, exactly. So, again, it, it was a typical example of the press because they were able to stretch this out and make a story out of it to get clicks when there was no real substance to it. Um, I... With Jordan Peterson, the man is... He's a, he has a fierce intellect. Mm-hmm. And I... That's an intellect to be respected in my mind. So when he can focus on a negative and take something from it, fair play to him. Because he is dealing with a very tricky subject over there, as I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that, that's definitely true. Um, rolling it back to, like, the media involvement in a lot of this. So now, in your opinion, do you think that the, uh, the narrative had a lot more to do with um, any kind of harassment or anything like that than, you know, the tweets themselves? Well, I'd be inclined to say if it was, what harassment? Um, okay. Kane herself, I mean, said in the blog, she's only seven people. Now, yeah, you can't call it a harassment campaign when there's barely enough there to call it that. I mean, I'd, I would say what that is, is the, a modern sleight of hand that people play. They get a select amount of criticism and they call it harassment. Anita Sarkeesian was brilliant at this. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I'm aware she got a lot of crap uh, from people on the net. But at the same time, there was some very well-placed criticism in amongst that that got tied up with the same bow. And that's yeah. what I think happened here. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with that, actually. I've, I, like, I've, I've looked into that myself because, well, you know, if, if you believe that there's a sexism problem in gaming, that's one thing. You know, we could talk about that, right? But mm. um, she was, my understanding of, of, of the situation is that she was getting some things dead wrong. And when people would say, hey, you know, Anita, like, okay, I understand where you're coming from on this, but, like, this here doesn't make any sense she tied that in uh, in 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 a lot of the articles that I've read with harassment. And if it wasn't her directly, it was one of these, you know, clickbait kind of blogs. Yeah, right? that's right. Like gawk, anything Gawker related or, you know, uh, <sighs> Polygon, Kotaku, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And that, and that fed into a lot of, like, gamers getting angry, which, of course, everybody knows kind of got led into the Gamergate movement. Mm-hmm. Right, which is you know, it, depending on your point of view on it, it, it like it's either legitimately about you know um, the media lying to people, or it's about a bunch of you know tens of thousands of angry misogynists on the internet, which is <laughs> that that size of a collective going like that. That would be an unstoppable force, mm. and. I, as far as I concerned, people were fighting against them pretty well. Yeah, you know. I mean, when it comes to Gamergate, I always um, look at that, and what amuses me the most is that when the two big fines they made, first of all, going before the SPJ and essentially being vindicated in one of their beliefs, mm-hmm. and also the revelation of the FBI files, which uh, cleared up a lot of it and actually pointed out that a lot of the shit that these uh, people against Gamergate were getting was from kids. That's right, too. It was uh, yep. it was a teenager or something got in trouble for sending uh, yep. sending a uh, threatening tweet to Brianna Wu. The FBI talked to them, and uh, he apologized, realized he did something wrong. I think he... I, I might be mistaken on this, but did he have to... He had to send, like, an apology to Brianna Wu directly, I believe? 
I can't remember. I can't recall. Uh, I can't recall. It's been a while since I've looked at the document, but essentially most of this was sent from children. Mm-hmm. Now, those against Gamaga, they never acknowledged these fines, which essentially vindicated what the movement was going for. They, they never talked about it once. Now, when you do that, that says a lot to me. Yeah, uh, it sounds like a narrative. It sounds like a story yeah. that they're trying to they had, sell to get clicks. Yeah, they had to get their narrative going. And when you look at why they were doing it, it's not hard to see because, uh, I mean, I think Brianna Wu, Zoe Quinn, and Randy Harper's Patreons all took hits when things died down. Mm-hmm. And when you have built a money-making scheme based on controversy and you need to keep it going... Well, there you go. It's kind of obvious. Yeah, I I would uh, I would be inclined to agree there. It, it's it's more like um, uh, my understanding is is that when a lot of gamers and, and this happened with comics and this has happened with uh, like for instance uh, the Hugo Wars, Sad Puppies uh, campaign, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it was people objecting to something going on, right? Not putting mm-hmm. a, not trying to put a stop to it, but just objecting. And that's all it took was the objecting. And then all of a sudden, all these news sites would start, oh, okay, well, you know, don't listen to these guys because they're just misogynists and they're this, that. And I'm, and it was really like racking my brain because uh, John, John Wright, for instance, you know, they were calling him yes. a racist and this. And I'm, yep. and I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, oh, well, is he a racist? And I looked at him and I'm like, he's married to a black woman. And... Yeah, I mean, it's... You look at the way the Hugos went out of their way to make examples of people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because that year, uh, they purposely didn't give awards to certain people in the categories where the puppies had got entries in. Yeah, uh, it was the no award yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. And also, my editor and friend, uh, Brian Niemeyer, whose book, Soul Dancer, won the first ever Dragon Award. Okay. He was up for the John W. Campbell Award, which was distributed by the Hugos. Mm. And to, as if to make a point, out of five places, they voted him sixth because of the stance he'd taken with the puppies and so forth. Yeah. You know, and Sad Puppies for this year, I believe, is run by Sarah Hoyt. Yeah, right? I believe it is. Yeah, and that's um you know like like it doesn't really matter where you stand on this as far as i'm concerned right the the conversation i think is important um and when you've got uh, you know these two sides battling out you know it's hard to tell who's who's got the right ideological you know direction but at the same time you should be able to hear both sides out yeah absolutely right? but Ab- absolutely we, and i don't but i only but we saw live that. in a time where that doesn't happen anymore it, it, well in a way yeah you know because we in my experience at least i only saw that coming from one direction and it happened to be like the sad puppies um type crowd were the ones that were like let's talk and the other side were like well we don't talk with fascists but yeah my concern there is it was like are, are you 100 percent sure that these guys are fascists <laughs> you know like maybe they actually do have a point you know because like i'm the type of guy like i've always been a centrist you know i have left-wing friends and i have right-wing friends and and they and you know they get along pretty well but when you get further out into the extremes that's when it doesn't happen so much Mm. right yeah so it's i don't know it's one of those things but um, but I think it, like you know rolling it back to uh, to Gamergate, it was the same kind of principle, you know. Like uh, um, now, th- there was the Zoe Quinn thing at the beginning, and that was a that was just a gong show. I like I, I don't even I I don't even see the larger 
movement as totally related. That was the catalyst for that situation. But yeah, I mean, the, the stuff with Quinn, uh, Depression Quest, and the revelations that uh, she was, to put this politely, free with her affection, um, came before it. Uh, what kicked people off were the August 28th articles, the yeah. Gamers Are Over articles. And that was when I came on board with it because I saw it and I read some of these pieces. I mean, especially the Gamma Sutra one by Alexander, mm-hmm. uh, where she referred to gamers as obtuse shitsling as. Uh, childish man babies or something like that and declared yeah. games to be over. I remember reading that thinking, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Um, and those articles, I think, were always summed up brilliantly by the now famous tweet that uh, Total Biscuit put out, which was, uh, when the dust settles, remember who it was that fed their own readership to the wolves, I will. And you know what's interesting about that is, is a lot of those uh, journalists are no longer working in gaming. That's right. A yeah. lot of them took serious hits because of their involvement with it. Yeah, or their 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 involvement in pushing that narrative. Because uh, this is how, this is how I saw it. It's because you know a lot of these gaming sites that engaged in this, they are clickbait sites. You know, yep. they're and and one of the most effective ways to get people to click on things is outrage, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is like this is verifiable. Like you can you can uh, listeners look this up. Check out a book by Ryan Holiday called "Trust Me, I'm Lying," and he goes <laughs> he goes right into detail about how outrage is one of the most clickable um, emotions uh, to invoke with a with a media narrative, right? So when yeah. gamers started saying, "Wait, what are you talking about?" Like we're like a lot of us are women. Uh, you know, many of us are, you know, and that's when the, the whole uh, hashtag not your shield thing came up. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's arguments back and forth on whether or not that was a legitimate movement, but whatever, that that's not the important thing. The important thing was, is that gamers were pissed off that they were being, you know, essentially called names by the very people who are supposed to be, you know, um, gathering gamers as their core audience. And it, all of a sudden yeah. it, it felt like a betrayal for a lot of these people. Right. Yeah, and especially the sites did suffer in the long run. I mean, yeah. two sites that I can think of, PC Gamer and Rock Paper Shotgun, they did have to turn to uh, a paid subscription service in the end to try and sort of get people to back them. Yeah. And I know that sites like Gamma Sutra and a couple of others whose names escaped me did have their readership fall significantly afterwards. Yeah, well, Gawker kind of uh, fell off the map for <laughs> a while there uh, due to the Hulk Hogan situation. Well, right. but they I think they sad, were bought Taku sadly lives on. Yeah, well, I think they were bought by uh Univision, mm. which is a, a Mexican media company. I do I do recall that. Um but you know, so 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 this kind of like uh, coalesced into this huge like cultural war where we got people who were blaming the whole ga- Gamergate movement for the rise of Donald Trump, right? Which <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but like uh, a bunch of uh, uh, <laughs> You know, a bunch of people on Twitter caused Donald Trump. Are you, are, you, are you kidding me? Like, the world is a lot bigger than social media. So it's, uh, no, I don't think it was a bunch of, you know, maybe 60,000 people. Uh, if you look at uh, the, the Gamergate Center on Reddit, there's about 60,000 mm. people on the uh, Kotaku in Action subreddit, right? Yeah. 60,000 people didn't create Donald Trump. You know, that's 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 like a pebble in a pebble in an ocean compared to like how many people actually vote for him and how he won, mm. you know, and and, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm by no means a Trump supporter. Um, I, I, I think the guy is uh, 
a little shady, if you know what I mean. Mm. However, you vote for who you vote for, and he's the guy in charge right now, and we got to live with that. Yeah. Right. Thankfully, I'm Canadian, so I I can say these things, and <laughs> <laughs> you know. But you know, so it, it it's very interesting how uh, how that media narrative around all these uh, these things, especially things that are like dear to our heart. Like I'm a gamer, you know. I'm but As I'm I'm big into like strategy games and 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 uh, story based uh, narrative games, you know, things like that, right? But like mm-hmm. this is the it was really interesting to see how all these different people like we had Christians coming together with atheists during uh, GamerGate. Yeah. Right. And that was really fascinating for me to watch, just like looking in on that and being like, wow, like these people who should be like bitter enemies are getting along. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, good job, you know, things like that, you know, feminine, like feminists and uh, men's rights activists were talking to each other. Yeah. Because they agreed with like uh, the whole Gamergate kind of thing. And they were, and there are. Well, I should say were because I think Gamergate as a thing is pretty much over. It finished a long time ago. Yeah, it, yeah. But there, um, but there were feminists who were involved in that and were like, yes, no, there this were. is wrong. You know, um, I believe we know one Angela. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, she was uh, one of the beta readers uh, for Penance mm-hmm. and provided some very influential feedback for it, which uh, I took on board. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and so it's it's very interesting uh, how how that media narrative and those who are uninitiated who are only reading these sites to get their news, well, obviously Gamergate's the worst thing in the world, right? And you know, I'm not saying it was perfect. There were definitely elements in there that were like over the top, like that was too much, right? Mm. Um, but they also had a big point. They had a, they had a good point, right? And that is don't demonize your audience just to sell advertising yeah absolutely i mean i would like to think that in the long run my books do well Mm -hmm. um and i would like to think that if people leave reviews they are constructive ones Mm -hmm. um i am not gonna look at these reviews and attack anybody that leaves them because i i'm still fairly new to the writing game and i would like to think that i can learn something from this feedback so why on earth would I want to attack my own audience that essentially would be putting money in my pocket? It's it's a bizarre thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a good example. Um, there was a game that was made on Kickstarter. Uh, sorry, funded by Kickstarter, I beg your pardon. By, oh, jeez, I can't remember its name, what the game was now. Um, I think the game was called something like, oh, 2064, uh, if I remember rightly. Okay. And they had... Um, tweeted something along the lines of uh, if you voted for Donald Trump, don't play our game, please. And then the next thing you knew, uh, they were being review bombed and they were blaming uh, quote unquote alt-right trolls or something, which has essentially become the new whipping boy after Gamergate. Well, I definitely have seen seen that people doing review bombs, but it happens on both sides of this coin, right? Because I've seen it go the other way too. I've seen the, the the far left kind of kind of types um, do review bombs on authors that they deem too conservative or not liberal enough, right? Mm-hmm. And I have seen that, and I have seen this, uh, but I've also seen it come from the other uh, from, from the other end of the spectrum. You know, somebody gets angered by a statement like that. You know, if you voted for Donald Trump, don't play our game. This game is not for you, right? Yeah. Well, people are going to do that out of spite, 
right? But yes, and you know, and that and it ain't right. But at the same time, well, you didn't really have to go out and say if you voted for Donald Trump, don't play our game, don't read my <laughs> book, you're not allowed to read my comic, you know. And that's you know, to, to me, that's just patently ridiculous. You want as big an audience as you can get. If that happens to come from a conservative, a liberal, or a social justice warrior, by all means, do it. You know? Yeah, I had a I had a good example of this happen recently. Um, I'd written a blog piece where I'd said I wasn't going to bother seeing the new Wonder Woman film mm-hmm. because to me it was essentially a prequel story. Yeah, where the storytelling was what I call safe storytelling, whereas you know that the main character is going to survive at the end because obviously she's got to come back for other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to be under no real threat. Because God forbid they do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to essentially be a popcorn flick. And I thought, nah, this is not worth my time. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, I believe it was a chap uh, commented on the article. And he said, um, I disagree with this part and that part. And I'm curious what you would do. And I looked in and thought, oh, wow, this is really cool. Mm. So I wrote back saying, first of all, I would create a new story. I'd give a new villain. And I would put the character through absolute hell. Mm-hmm. You know, mentally and physically, and I'll give her something to fight against in more ways than one. And I said I wouldn't use the World War One setting because I think it's boring now. It's been used to, sorry, done to death. And this guy came back and said, "Yeah, I really like that idea." And I thought, fantastic. I think this is a great experience just through a comment section. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't have gone back and said to this guy get the hell out of here. Who the hell do you think you're talking to or anything like that? Because it's disrespectful. This guy's took the time to engage with me on something I've said constructively. I want, I want that sort of uh, feedback and I really hope it continues. See, yeah, like I don't mind feedback that disagrees with me just, but it's the uh, wild accusations uh, that really just like, it, it gives you pause and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, a few uh, weeks ago, uh, Robert Cross, uh, Robert Crossy. I'm, for, I'm, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce. I think his it's Crazy. Crazy. Okay. Yes. Uh, one of those three. <laughs> uh, he was uh, doing something called the Wrong Think Giveaway, right? Uh, yeah. He, he was associated with, uh, or he is associated with, with sad puppies, and yeah. um, because he is a conservative author, uh, he was getting attacked. And I saw some of the attacks, and they were just like some of them were just ridiculously over the top. Like he's, mm. he's a conservative conservative conservatism isn't nazism <laughs> mm. you know and um so uh but i i, I like it. it was a bunch of free books by authors and some of it like brian niemeyer i believe had a book in there that's right yeah you know there were a few other a few other authors and and uh some of them were actually really like really good books like really like known books at that mm. and uh it was free ebook giveaway and i'm like you know i'm gonna help this guy out and i wrote a blog post advertising the the giveaway on my blog right yeah and uh and i gave a little bit of a history about uh, about the sad puppies and the first comment i got uh was somebody calling me a fascist and thanking me <sighs> for not wasting their time so that they knew i was a fascist right away and i and i was just so confused because like i'm a, i'm a liberal right i'm a center mm. liberal and it just it just blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, one policy I have is that I don't talk about my politics mm-hmm. um, because I would like to think I could engage people and not bring politics into it. Uh, anything I say as such on social media because I'm quite frankly sick and tired of people whinging about politics online. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of blue check accounts in particular oh, I had to yeah. unfollow. 
after Donald Trump got in was unbelievable, but I had to do it because I just wanted the peace on my timeline. Um, there is a small amount of politics, I think, in penance, but that's because I've deliberately kept it as such. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my understanding but, was that you want you wanted to show that there is a way to come back from extremism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. The the extremism I'm talking about, it, I took a look at the, the, the behavior of the modern feminist movement, and it struck me that it was very, very hypocritical and very, very sexist, despite claiming it wants equality. Mm-hmm. I didn't pay too much attention to it at first, but I thought, nah, it's, yeah, it's just not worth my interest. But then I took a look at it again, and I thought, well, what if someone had gone to the, an extreme in this in the name of this ideologue if i'm using the right term mm-hmm. had been punished for it and then had a moment where she was able to look back and think wow i was really that bad mm-hmm. and that was where one of the characters and the her issues came from because to, to name three examples for sake of timing you have um lindy west who's this uh, blogger who writes for The Guardian. Uh, anyone that dares to criticize her is fat shaming or body shaming or something like that. She also wrote for Jezebel. I oh, did she? I, I believe, yeah. She went after Christina Summers' appearance. Mm-hmm. I think she said she looked like a woodland elf who was having her life drained out of her and people called her out for her hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Senator Katie Gallagher over in Australia who during a confrontation with Senator Mitch Fifield in the Senate, referred to what he was saying as mansplaining. Oh, um, yes, I, 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 yeah. I believe I've seen that video, yeah. Yeah. Now, for those who don't know, mansplaining is a term where gender is invoked as a way of shutting down the conversation when it's not part of the issue. Mm-hmm. And Fifield, he was a bit confused at first because he didn't know what she was doing. But then he cottoned on and he backed her into a corner of it saying, well put in the word man in front of some description of what you think i'm doing yeah you're doing that which i'm sure you're very much against which is to make a sex implication about how i'm conducting myself and he told her to stop being a hypocrite yeah but one of the most famous ones which is more funny than anything was uh, a debate between uh kate smurfwaite who's a failed comedian turned political activist i you know what i saw one of her comedy videos and i was like i'm uh, sorry i don't get it <laughs> uh uh between her and uh, an author called peter lloyd they were talking about pet names that women don't like being called which is one of the most pointless debates ever mm-hmm. and it finished off it was about to finish off and the uh, the host said to lloyd is there any names you don't like men being called and he said certainly not and even if it was i wouldn't want them banned over it and he, then he, he i think he knew what he was doing here he said at the end of the day it goes back to the old adage sticks and stones will break my bones but there will always be something to offend a feminist. And Smurf White was triggered in one of the most funniest scenes I've ever seen in my life, where she literally just went off on one at him for saying that. And it was examples like that. I thought this serves as a great backstory or at least a great setting. So mm-hmm. I went with it. Well, it's interesting. Cause like, uh, just off the top of my head here, I can think of, uh, I believe it's uh, Majid Nawaz. Are you familiar with him? I've heard the name. Yeah, Majid Nawaz was a radical Islamic, um, uh, I, I don't want to say activist, like revolutionary, right? Like he was one mm-hmm. of the guys that was like straight up like the West needs to fall. 
Um, I, you know what? I, it might not even be Majid. I might be confusing him with someone else. But um, he had uh, completely reformed himself. And now he's actually um, a pro-Islamic, um, anti-radicalist activist. Mm-hmm. Right. And he speaks out a lot against radical act, uh, ra- radical uh, Islam. And, it, you know, it's kind of refreshing to see that somebody who like cares enough about his own religion that he wants to see it reform. Right. To help try to, you know, weed out the 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 bad elements. And I'm totally for that. Right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a good example of like uh, the kind of uh, penance, the re- re- redemption theme there. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, more recently, I think we have, uh, well, I don't know if you can call it this, but uh, Lacey Green. Yes, absolutely. Right? I, like, she's I think def- this is a good, yeah, this is a good example of it because yeah. obviously she decided to reach across the gap, if you will, to yeah. um, engage with other people. And the modern feminist movement turned on her. Yeah, well, she reached out and said, like, I want to hear your arguments because, well, and to me, that's just, that's just like knowledge. I want to hear the arguments that the people who disagree with me have, right, for two reasons. So I know where they're coming from. And so then I actually have a better idea on how to disprove them if that's my, if that's the direction that I want to go, right? Yeah. Because I know what they're talking about, right? And, um, mm. it's, and, and then it was, it was, it was really interesting just to watch, like, uh, especially the, uh, the, 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 fem- now it's not the whole feminist community. I want to be very clear about that. There are definitely yes. feminists out there who are not like this at all, but the, um, the rabid online feminism that mm-hmm. is, was surrounding that, um, they, they, they just cut her off they like they, they unleashed on her they were writing articles about how she was a traitor and um yeah what's his name uh steve shives right? yeah called her yeah said that she was getting in getting in bed with reactionaries which is kind of funny because i think that's actually what she did <laughs> you know ironically ironically she started there was well, a she, yeah, yeah, yeah there, she started seeing, there was even a uh an example further back than lacy green of course cassie J. Cassie J. Uh, yeah, yeah. She she obviously made the Red Pill documentary, which, for purposes of disclosure, I was a backer of. I and, and I for also for disclosure, I did an interview with uh, Cassie J. back when I was running a YouTube channel. Yeah, and yeah. I, um, I watched as essentially when the modern feminist movement realised that, you know, she was doing this film fairly, which fair play to her for doing so. Mm-hmm. They turned on her as well. She had pieces written about her. The film was banned in various countries uh, for screening purposes. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't even, the countries that were banning them. Oh, it, it, was, it was theaters, it wasn't was it? theaters, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think even Netflix refused to show it. Well, uh, Netflix well, because... didn't... It, with My understanding with Netflix is they didn't refuse it. They just turned it down. Yeah, right? okay. So that may, have, that may have been a purely business decision. So we, yeah. we don't know for certain, yeah. But again... It's an example of you dare to speak out against us mm-hmm. and we'll turn on you. And to me, that's quite chilling. Well, it, you know, what's very interesting about that film is, is uh, because I, I, I work with a charity group here in Canada that focuses on uh, men's issues specifically. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did do a screening of uh, of her of her film because that was well, that was the thing to do. And because uh, there's a lot of interest, especially considering, you know, seeing everybody was was jumping on the bandwagon for like, hey, let's ban it. And mm. and the but it was really interesting because almost every argument that I saw against it referred to the same review 
in which the the uh, the writer of this review admits to walking out of the film five minutes in <laughs> and it and that just blew my mind it's just like what, how are you taking this guy seriously he didn't watch the whole film you know like if i if i walked out of the film five five minutes in that i that, that the last thing i should be doing is reviewing that film yeah absolutely i mean i i backed it for two reasons one because i wanted to see this film succeed because it was being done fairly mm-hmm. and the second reason was because i have seen men in the past suffer uh at the hands of their ex or current spouse mm-hmm. and i thought i want to see you know something done good for them in that respect and i sat and watched it in one go i didn't pause it and the only scene that made me cringe enough to turn away from the screen was uh, I won't spoil it, but it involves a baby near the end. Yeah, there, there's a very... Yeah. I, I'll spoil it. There's a very graphic graphic scene of an infant circumcision. Yeah. And it now, made everybody in the theater just cringe. Yeah. yeah. But I... Again, you watch it. Uh, sorry, the reactions during post-production and release. It was mob mentality that was essentially done to Cassie J and, of course, I think, to Lacey Green. Well, the interesting thing with Cassie is is that she came out and she said, you know, she didn't stop being being a feminist because she became a men's rights activist. She stopped mm. being a feminist because she saw how feminists were treating her when she when she yes. was going through this. And yeah. she was just just appalled because it's like I was one of you. Like I was I was part of the sisterhood. Right? Yeah. I was all for women's rights and she still is. She 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 hasn't changed her views on equality. She just changed no. what her label was. But again, you speak out against this and you'll suffer. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this podcast is already sunk. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what? That's whatever. I'm not going to I'm not going to censor myself just because, you know, somebody out there might disagree because, well, there's mm. always going to be someone who disagrees. And whether or not it's a large group of people or a small group of people or just one guy in freaking Timbuktu. I don't it's that's that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to, you know, talk and actually discuss a lot of these issues, right? Especially yeah. when it comes to like storytelling and narratives, right? Mm-hmm. Which is uh, you know, how it kind of t- ties into the uh the uh uh function of the podcast here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um we are starting to run out of time, Justin. Oh. Yeah, it's already quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've already been going for about 40 minutes. And, um, but, uh, so, so let's, uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about, um, uh, do you have any other projects on the go here? Like, uh, that you're starting? Out yeah. With? Uh, once the corrections are done with penance, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be obviously published and I'm also going to hand it over to a voiceover artist to record an audio book version of, because that's something I'm quite passionate about. Would that uh, happen to be Jim? It would be Jim, yes. Okay, Jim Jim Fear one one three eight or one three nine. I think it's one three eight. Okay, well, Jim Fear one three eight is actually going to be a uh, guest on an upcoming episode. He's a good uh, guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. I've talked to him a couple times, and uh, so I, I have invited him on to uh, onto the podcast. I think he's going to be episode four. So uh, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I've got a what's looking possibly like a science fiction noir novella mm-hmm. that i'm working on next and then after that i'm going to delve into sci-fi horror territory all right um with the next book 
I have it fully laid out, but the sci-fi noir has been sitting on my hard drive for a little while uh, because I did this great thing where I laid down what I thought was a fantastic foundation for it. But then it got to the point where something needed to happen, and I thought, oh, shit, I don't actually know what's going to happen in this. So it's been sitting there ever since while I figured it out. (laughs) Yeah. So that will be hopefully finished this year, and then I could start the the horror book later on in the year. I'm I'm just enthusiastic about Penance. I want to get it out there. Actually, I've got, um, yeah, I've got a few projects on the go right now that I'm pretty enthusiastic about. Um, One of them, uh, actually, I guess you can consider this the official announcement, is uh, I'm working on an audio drama. And uh, I have got a number of voice actors, uh, including literal professional voice actors, which just blew my mind because all they had to do was hear the story that I had outlined for them. And they were on board. And uh, so, so that's brilliant. It's, uh, it's going to be a heavy mystery. Okay. But uh, yeah, I've got uh, five, five plus uh, voice actors who are on board with this and uh, all from the Toronto, Ontario area, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of funny because like I'm the only one who doesn't live in Toronto and I live on the other side of the country actually. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. It's called relics. At least that's the working title. It might've actually changed by the time this podcast gets out. Uh, <laughs> you never know. You never know, but, uh, you, I will no doubt be talking about it in this space in the future. So if, if that's, uh, you know, if, uh, Justin's project here sounds like something you'd be into, yeah, you can check him out at stoic writer, uh, on Twitter and uh, check out his blog grandmasfloor.blogspot.com yeah so uh, yeah in closing anything else you want to say there Justin thanks for having me on it's been fun alright guys so uh, as with anything you can uh, check out the archive for the podcast you can check out past episodes and future episodes on ejspurl.com and we'll catch you next time peace So thank you for joining us today on the Ink and Artifacts podcast. If you're interested in supporting us, please consider donating to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash EJSpurl. Visit EJSpurl.com and use the contact form or just catch me on Twitter at EJSpurl.